Closes part 5D of Heaven on Earth by Puritan Thomas Brooks. Now he's been listing those things which accompany salvation. And the first thing he's listed is knowledge <clears throat> as um, a, a means of assurance for the Christian. So the section we're reading today is all about Christian knowledge. <clears throat> things that accompany salvation, knowledge. Knowledge is operative. One, that knowledge that accompanies salvation is a working knowledge and operative knowledge, 2 Corinthians 4, 6. God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, has shined in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Divine light reaches the heart as well as the head. The beams of divine light shining in upon the soul through the glorious face of Christ are very working. They warm the heart, they affect the heart. <clears throat> they new mould the heart. Divine knowledge masters the heart, it guides the heart, it governs the heart, it sustains the heart, it relieves the heart. Romans 6, 6 We know that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. Divine knowledge puts a man upon crucifying of sin. It keeps a man from being a servant, a slave to sin, which no other knowledge can do. Under all other knowledge, men remain servants to their lusts and are taken prisoners by Satan at his will. No knowledge lifts up a man, <coughs> a man up above his lusts, but that which accompanies salvation. The wisest philosophers and the greatest doctors, as Socrates and others, under all their sublime notions and rare speculations, have been kept in bondage by their lusts. That knowledge that accompanies salvation is operative knowledge. 1 John 2 verses 3 and 4 And hereby we do know that we know him, if we keep his commandments. He that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. By keeping his commandments, they did know that they did know him. That is, they were assured that they did know him. To know that we know is to be assured and we know. That we, to know that we know is to be assured that we know. So James 3.17 But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, and easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. Verse 13 who is a wise man and endued with knowledge amongst you, let him show out of a good conversation his works with meekness of wisdom. Divine knowledge fills a man full of spiritual activity. It will make a man work as if he would be saved by his works, and yet it will make a man believe that he is saved only upon the account of free grace. Ephesians 2.8 That knowledge is not <coughs> operative and working, Yeah, that knowledge is not operative and working will only serve to light souls to hell and to double damn all that have it. Matthew twenty three fourteen. Secondly, knowledge is transforming. Two, that knowledge that accompanies salvation is transforming knowledge. It is metamorphosing, metamorphosing knowledge. It is knowledge that transforms, that metamorphoses the soul. Two Corinthians three eighteen. But we with open face, beholding the glory of the Lord, as in a glass, are changed into the same image from glory to glory. 
Divine light beating on the heart warms it and betters it. It transforms and changes it. It moulds and fashions it into the very likeness of Christ. The naturalists observe that the pearl, by the often beating of the sunbeams upon it, becomes radiant, so the often beating and shining of the sun of righteousness with his divine beams upon the saints causes them to glitter and shine in holiness, righteousness, heavenly mindedness and humbleness. Divine light casts a general beauty and glory upon the soul. It transforms a man more and more into the glorious image of Christ. Look as the child receiveth from his parents, member for member, limb for limb, or as the papers, paper from the press receiveth letter for letter, the wax from the seal, print for print, or as the face in the glass answers to the face of the man, or as indenture answers to indenture, so the beams of divine light and knowledge shining into the soul stamp the lively image of Christ upon the soul and make it put on the Lord Jesus and resemble him to the life. Notional knowledge may make a man excellent at praising the glorious and worthy acts and virtues of Christ, but that transforming knowledge that accompanies salvation will cause a man divinely to imitate the glorious acts and virtues of Christ. 1 Peter 2.9 But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises virtues of him who hath called you out of darkness <clears throat> into his marvellous light. When God causes his divine light, his marvellous light, to shine in upon the soul, then a Christian will preach forth the virtues of Christ in an inimitable, in an imitable practice. Until then a man under all the no other knowledge will remain an incarnate devil when a beam of divine light shone from heaven upon Paul, ah, how it changed and metamorphosed him, how it altered and transformed him, it made his rebellious soul obedient, Acts 9.6. Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? God bids him arise and go into the city, and it should be told him what he should do, and he obeys the heavenly vision, chapter 26.19. Divine light makes this lion a lamb, this precursor, this persecutor a preacher, this destroyer of the saints, a builder-up of the saints, this tormentor, a comforter, this monster, an angel, this notorious blasphemer, a very great admirer of God, and the actings of his free grace, as you may see by comparing Acts 9 and 26 together. So when a spark of this heavenly fire fell upun the heart of Mary Magdalene, Luke seven thirty-six and 37, oh, what a change, what a turn doth it make in her, now she loves much, and believes much, and repents much, and weeps much. Oh, what a change did divine light make in Zacchaeus and in the jailer! Verily, if thy light, thy knowledge, doth not better thee, if it doth not change and transform thee, if under all thy light and knowledge thou remainest as vile and base as ever, thy light, thy knowledge, thy notions, thy speculations will be like unto fire, not on the hearth, but in the room." that will burn the house and the inhabitant too. It will be like metal in a blind horse that serves for nothing but to break the neck of the rider. That knowledge, <clears throat> that is not a transforming knowledge, will torment a man at last more than all the devils in hell. 
it will be a sword to cut him, a rod to lash him, a serpent to bite him, a scorpion to sting him, and a vulture, a worm, eternally gnawing him. When Tamburlaine was in his wars, one having found and dug up a great pot of gold, brought it to him. Tamburlaine asked whether it had his father's stamp upon it, but when he saw it had the Roman's stamp, and not his father's, he would not own it. So God at last will own no knowledge, but that which leaves the stamp of Christ, the print of Christ, the image of Christ, upon the heart, that which changes and transforms the soul, that which makes a man a new man, another man, that what he was before divine light shined upon him. Thirdly, knowledge is experimental. That knowledge that accompanies salvation is experimental knowledge. It is knowledge that springs from a spiritual sense and taste of holy and heavenly things. Song of Solomon 1 verse 2 Let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth, for thy love is better than wine. The spouse that experienced the sweetness of Christ's love. His love, says she, better being better than wine. The wine is an excellent creature, a useful creature, a comfortable and delightful creature, a reviving and restorative creature. And this draws out her heart and makes her insatiable in longing and very earnest in coveting not a kiss but kisses, not a little but much of Christ. Her knowledge being experimental, she is impatient and restless till she is drawn into the nearest and highest communion and fellowship with Christ. So in verse 13, A bundle of myrrh is my well-beloved unto me, he shall lie all night betwixt my breasts. Myrrh is marvellous, sweet and savoury. So is my well-beloved unto me, says the spouse. I have found Jesus Christ to be my marvellous, sweet and savoury to my soul. Myrrh is bitter to the taste, though it be sweet to the smell. So is my well-beloved unto me, says the spouse. Psalm 45 verse 8. Proverbs 7 verse 17 I have found him to be bitter to the old man, to the ignoble and worst part of man. I have found him to be sweet and lovely to the new man, to the regenerate man, to the noble part of man. I have found him to be a bitter enemy to my sins, and at the same time to be a sweet and precious friend to my soul. Myrrh is of a preserving nature. It is hot and dry in the second degree, as the naturalists observe. So is my well-beloved unto me, says the spouse. Oh, I have found the Lord Jesus preserving my soul from closing with such and such temptations and from falling under the power of such and such afflictions. In relation to this, we read in Philippians 1 verse 9, And this I pray, that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment. The Greek word that is here rendered judgment properly signifies sense. <coughs> Not a corporeal, but a spiritual sense and taste, an inward experimental knowledge of holy and heavenly things. The Apostle well knew that all notional and speculative knowledge would leave men on this side heaven, and therefore he earnestly prays that their knowledge might be experimental, it being the knowledge that accompanies salvation, and will give a man at last <coughs> a possession <coughs> of salvation. Verily, that knowledge that is only notional, speculative and general, that is gathered out of books, discourses and other outward advantages, is such a knowledge that will make men sit down on this side salvation, as it did Judas, Demas and the scribes and Pharisees. Christ will at last shut the door of hope 
uh, of help, of consolation and salvation upon all those that know much of him <coughs> notionally, but nothing <coughs> feelingly, <coughs> as you may see him shut, in his shutting the door of happiness against the foolish virgins, margin tw- Matthew 25 verses 11 and 12, and against those fraud professors, preachers and workers of miracles, Matthew 7 verse 22, who had much speculative knowledge but no experimental knowledge, who had much outward general knowledge of Christ but no spiritual inward acquaintance with Christ. A man that hath that experimental knowledge that accompanies salvation will from his experience tell you that sin is the greatest evil in the world, for he hath found it so. Romans 7, that Christ is the one thing necessary, for he hath found him so, Psalm 27, verse 4, that the favour of God is better than life, for he hath found it so, Psalm 63, verse 3, that pardoning mercy alone makes a man happy, for he hath found it so, Psalm 32, verses 1 and 2, that a wounded spirit is such a burden that none can bear, for he hath found it so, Proverbs 18, verse 14, that an humble and a broken heart is an acceptable sacrifice to God, for he hath found it so, Psalm 51, verse 17. That the promises are precious pearls, for he hath found them so, 2 Peter 1, 4. That the smiles of God will make up for the absence of any outward mercy, for he hath found it so, Psalm 5, verses 6 and 7. That communion with God alone make a heaven in a believer's heart for he hath found it so so psalm 48 verse 10 that if the spirit be pleased and obeyed he will be a comforter to the soul for he hath found it so john 16 verse 7 but if his motions and laws be slighted and neglected he will stand far off from the soul he will vex and gall the soul lamentations 116 isaiah 63 verses 10 and 11 well Souls, remember this, that knowledge that is not exceptional will never turn to your account. It will only increase your guilt and torment as it did the scribes and Pharisees. What advantage had the men of the old world by their knowing that there was an ark, or by their clambering about the ark when they were shut out and drowned in the, fl- in the flood? What doth it profit a man to see heaps of jewels and pearls and mountains of gold and silver when he is moneyless and penniless? It is rather a torment than a comfort to know that there is a pardon for other malefactors, but none for me. That there is water and wine to cheer, comfort and refresh others, but not a sip or a drop for me. My bottle is empty and I may die of thirst whilst others are drinking at the fountainhead. That there are houses and clothes to shelter others from colds, storms and tempests, while I lie naked with Lazarus at Dives' door. Exposing, exposed to the misery of all weathers. This kind of knowledge doth rather torment men than comfort them. It does but add fuel to the fire and make their hell the hotter. The knowledge that devils and apostates have of God, Christ and the Scriptures, being only notional, is so far from being a comfort to them that it is their greatest torment. It is a worm that is eternally gnawing, gnawing them. It makes them ten thousand times more miserable than otherwise they would be. They are still a crying out, Oh, that our light, our light were put out. Oh, that our knowledge, our knowledge were extinguished. Oh, that we might but change rooms, change places with the heathens, with the barbarians that never knew what we have known. 
Oh, how happy would damned devils and apostates judge themselves in hell if they should escape with those dreadful stripes that shall be eternally laid upon the backs of fools. Remember, reader, that a little heart knowledge, a little experimental knowledge is of greater efficacy and worth than the highest notions of the most acute wits. He doth well that discourses of Christ, but he doth infinitely better that, by experimental knowledge, feeds and lives on Christ. It was not Adam's seeing, but his tasting of forbidden fruit that made him miserable. And it is not your seeing of Christ, but your experimental tasting of Christ that will make you truly happy. <clears throat> as no knowledge will save <clears throat> as no knowledge will save but what is experimental, so let no knowledge satisfy you but what is experimental. Psalm thirty four verse eight. Fourthly, knowledge is <clears throat> heart affecting that knowledge that accompanies salvation is a heart affecting knowledge it affects the heart with Christ and all spiritual things oh it doth wonderfully endear Christ and the things of Christ to the soul Song of Solomon 2 verse 5 stay me with flagons and comfort me with apples for I am sick of love O oh, saith the spouse, my heart is taken with Christ, it is raised and ravished with his love. My soul is burning, my soul is beating towards Christ. <clears throat> oh, none but Christ, none but Christ. I cannot live in myself, I cannot live in my duties, I cannot live in external privileges, I cannot live in outward mercies, I cannot live in common providences, I can live only in Christ, who is my life, my love, my joy, my crown, my all in all. Oh, the hearing of Christ affects me, the seeing of Christ affects me, the taste of Christ affects me, the glimmerings of Christ affect me. The more I come to know him in his natures, in his names, in his offices, in his discoveries, in his appearances, in his beauties, the more I find my heart and affections to prize Christ, to run after Christ, to be affected with Christ, and to be wonderfully endeared to Christ. Song of Solomon 5.10 He is white and ruddy, the chiefest of ten thousand. Psalm 73, verses 25 and 26 Whom have I in heaven but thee? And there is none upon earth that I desire beside thee. My flesh and my heart faileth, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion for ever. The knowledge that she had of Christ did so affect and endear her heart to Christ that she cannot but make use of all her rhetoric to set forth Christ in the most lovely and lively colours. Galatians 6.14 God forbid that I should glory in anything save in Christ Jesus. Oh, God forbid that my heart should be affected or taken with anything in comparison of Christ. The more I know him, the more I like him. The more I know him, the more I love him. The more I know him, the more I desire him. The more I know him, the more my heart is knit unto him. His beauty is taking, his love is ravishing, his goodness is drawing. His manifestations are enticing, and his person is enamoring. His lovely looks please me, his pleasant voice delights me. <clears throat> his precious spirit comforts me, his holy word rules me. And these things make Christ to be a heaven unto me. Oh, but now all that notional knowledge, that speculative knowledge that leaves a man on this side salvation never affects the heart, it never draws it, it never endears the heart to Christ or to the precious things of Christ. 
Hence it is that such men under all their notions, under all their light and knowledge, have no affection to Christ, no delight in Christ, no workings of heart after Christ. Well, reader, remember this. If thy knowledge doth not now affect thy heart, it will at last with a witness afflict thy heart. If it doth not now endear Christ to thee, <coughs> it will at last the more provoke Christ against thee. If it doth not make all the things of Christ to be very precious in thy eyes, it will at last make thee a more vile in the more vile in Christ's eyes. A little knowledge that divinely affects the heart is infinitely better than a world of that swimming knowledge that swims in the head but never sinks down into the heart, to the bettering, to the warming, and to the affecting of it. Therefore, strive not so much to know as to have thy heart affected with what thou knowest. For heart-affecting knowledge is the only knowledge that accompanies salvation, that will possess thee of salvation. Knowledge, part five, knowledge is world-despising. That knowledge that accompanies salvation <coughs> is a world-despising, a world-crucifying, and a world-condemning knowledge. It makes a man have low, poor, mean thoughts of the world. It makes a man slight it and trample upon it as a thing of no value. That divine light that accompanies salvation makes a man to look upon the world as mixed, as mutable, as but for a moment. It makes a man look upon the world as a liar, as a deceiver, as a flatterer, as a murderer, and as a witch that hath bewitched the souls of thousands to their eternal overthrow by her golden offers and proffers. Divine knowledge put Paul upon trampling, upon all the bravery and glory of the world, Philippians 3 verses 4 to 9. I shall only describe, transcribe the seventh and eighth verses and leave you to turn to the rest. But what things were gained to me, those I counted lost for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and do count them but dung. The Greek signifies dog's dung or dog's meat, coarse and contemptible that I may win Christ. Divine knowledge raises his heart so high above the world that he looks upon it with an eye of scorn and disdain and makes him count it as an excrement, yea, as the very worst excrements, as dog's dung, as dog's meat. Of the like import is that of Hebrews 10.34. For ye had compassion of me in my bonds, and took joyfully the spoiling of your goods, knowing in yourselves that ye have in heaven a better and an enduring substance. Divine knowledge will make a man rejoice when his enemies make a bonfire of his goods. This man hath bills of exchange under God's own hand, to receive a pound for every penny, a million for every mite, that he loses for him. And this makes him to rejoice and to trample upon all the glory of this world, as one did upon the philosopher's crown. Matthew 19, verses 27 to 30. It was heavenly knowledge that made Moses disdain and scorn the pomp and pleasures, the bravery and glory, the riches and advantages of Egypt and of Ethiopia too. As some writers observe, Hebrews eleven, twenty-four to 26. By faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, <clears throat> esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect unto the recompense 
of the reward. So, when a beam of divine light had shined upon Zacchaeus, oh, how doth it cause him to part with the world, to cast off the world, to slight it, and trample upon it as a thing of naught. And Zacchaeus stood and said unto the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I have taken anything from any man by false accusation, I restore him fourfold. And Jesus said unto him, This day is salvation come to this house, for as much as he also is a son of Abraham. Luke 19, verses 2 to 10. Before the candle of the Lord was set up in Zacchaeus' soul, he dearly loved the world, he highly prized the world, he eagerly pursued after the world. He would have, had, he would have it right or wrong, his heart was set upon it, he was resolved to gather riches, though it was out of others' ruin. Ay, but when once he was divinely enlightened, he throws off the world. He easily parts with it. He sets very light by it. He looks with an eye of disdain upon it. His knowledge lifts him up above the smiles of the world and above the frowns of the world. The world is no longer a snare, a bait, a temptation to him. He knows that it is better to be a son of Abraham than it is, that is, to be taken into covenant with Abraham, to tread in the steps of Abraham's faith as children tread in the steps of their fathers, and to lie and rest in the bosom of Abraham, as sons do in their fathers' bosoms, than to be rich, great, and honourable in the world. Romans 4, 12, 16, 4, 12 and 16, and 9, 1. And this made him part with the world, and say to it, as he to his idols, Get you hence, for what have I more to do with you? Isaiah thirty twenty two, and Hosea 14, verse 8. Verily, that light, that knowledge, will never lead thee to heaven. It will never possess thee of salvation that leaves thee under the power of the world, that leaves thee in league and friendship with the world. 1 John two fifteen, James 4, 4. 1 John two fifteen reads, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. James 4.4 4 reads, Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. If thy knowledge doth not put the world under thy feet, it will put never put a crown of glory upon thy head. The church that is clothed with the sun and that hath a crown upon her head hath the moon under her feet. Revelation 12.1 Ah, knowing souls, knowing souls, do you not receive, deceive yourselves. Verily, if you are clothed with the comeliness and righteousness of the sun, which is Jesus Christ, and have a crown of victory and glory upon your heads, you will have the moon under your feet, you will tread and trample upon the trash of this world. All the riches, glories and braveries of the world will be under your feet by reason of your non-subjection to it and your holy contempt of it. If thy knowledge doth not enable thee to set <clears throat> thy feet upon those things that most set their hearts on, thou art undone for ever. Thy knowledge will be so far from lifting thee up to heaven that it will cast thee to the lower, the lower into hell. Therefore let no knowledge satisfy thee, but that which lifts thee above the world, that which weans thee from the world, that which makes the world a footstool. This knowledge is light. This light will at last lead thee into everlasting light. Six three. Knowledge is soul humbling.
that knowledge that accompanies salvation is soul-abasing, soul-humbling knowledge. It makes a man very little and very, very little and low in his own eyes, as you may see in the most knowing apostle. Ephesians 3.8 Unto me, who am less than the least of all saints, is this grace given, that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. Paul's great light makes him very little. Though he was the greatest apostle, yet he looks upon himself as less than the least of all saints. Likewise is it with the Lord's forerunner, John the Baptist. Oh, how little, how low is John in his own eyes. John 1, verses 26 and 27. John answered them, saying, I baptize with water, but there standeth one among you whom ye know not. He it is, who coming after me is preferred before me, whose shoes latchet I am not worthy to unloose. In this phrase, John alludes to the custom of the Hebrews. Those among them which were more noble than others had boys who carried their shoes and untied them when they laid them by. Oh, says John, I am a poor, weak, worthless creature. I am not worthy to be admitted to the meanest, to the lowest service under Christ. I am not worthy to carry his shoes, to unloose his shoes. Peter too cries out, Depart from me, O Lord, for I am a sinful man, a man, a sinner, a very mixture and compound of dirt and sin, of vileness and baseness. Abraham, with all his light and knowledge, acknowledges himself to be but dust and ashes. Genesis 18.27 Jacob, with all his knowledge, acknowledges himself to be unworthy of the least of all mercies. Genesis 32.10 David, with all his knowledge, acknowledges himself to be a worm and no man, Psalm 22, verse 6. <clears throat> Asaph acknowledges himself to be foolish and ignorant and as a beast before the Lord, Psalm 73, verse 22. Job, with all his knowledge, acknowledges that he had much reason to abhor himself in dust and ashes, Job 42, verses 1 to 5. Agur was very good, with his, and his knowledge very great, and yet, with all his knowledge, oh, how did he vilify, yea, nullify himself! Surely, saith he, I am more brutish than any man, and have not the understanding of a man. I neither learned wisdom, nor have the knowledge of the holy. Proverbs 30, verses 1 and 4. Or 1 to 4. The evangelical prophet Isaiah with all his knowledge and visions which were very great and glorious, acknowledges himself to be a man of unclean lips and to dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. <coughs> Isaiah 6, verses 1 to 8. Divine and heavenly knowledge brings a man near to God. It gives a man the clearest and fullest sight of God. And the nearer any man comes to God and the clearer visions he hath of God, the more low and humble will that man lie before God. None so humble as they that have nearest communion with God. The angels that are near unto him cover their faces with their wings in token of humility. Divine knowledge makes a man look inwards and analyse himself. It is a glass that shows a man the spots of his own soul. And this makes him little and low in his own eyes. In the beams of his, this heavenly light a Christian comes to see his own pride, ignorance, impatience, unworthiness, conceitedness, worthlessness, frowardness, and nothingness. That knowledge that swells thee will undo thee, that knowledge that puffs thee will sink thee, that knowledge that makes thee delightful in thy own eyes will make thee despicable in God's and in good men's eyes. 1 Corinthians 8, 1 and 2, knowledge puffeth up. 
That is notional knowledge, speculative knowledge, knowledge that ripens a man for destruction, that will leave him short of salvation. This knowledge puffs and swells a man and makes him think himself something when he is nothing. And if any man thinketh that he knoweth anything, he knoweth nothing yet as he ought to know, saith the Apostle. Will not that philosopher rise in judgment against many of our high-flown professing Christians who swell, who look big and talk big under their notional knowledge, who said of himself, hoc tantum sio quod nihil sio, that's uh, Latin, and I've probably read it appallingly, this only do I know, that I know nothing. Well, if that knowledge ha thou hast be that knowledge that accompanies salvation, it is a soul-humbling and a soul-abasing knowledge. If it be otherwise, then will thy knowledge make thee both a prisoner and a slave to the devil at once. Seventhly, knowledge is appropriating. That knowledge that accompanies salvation is an appropriating knowledge, a knowledge that appropriates and applies spiritual and heavenly benefits to a man's own particular soul. As you may see in Job, my Redeemer lives and my witness is in heaven and my record is on high, Job 19.25 and 16. 19. So David, the Lord is my portion, Psalm 16.5. In Psalm 18 verse 2 he uses this word of his personal possession eight times together. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength, in whom I will trust, my buckler and the horn of my salvation and my high tower. So the spouse, my beloved, is mine and I am his. Song of Solomon 2.16 So Thomas, my Lord and my God. John 20.28 20, So Paul, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Galatians 2.20 Applicatory knowledge, that is applied knowledge, is the sweetest knowledge. It revives the heart. It cheers the spirits. It rejoices the soul. It makes a man go singing to duties and go singing to his grave and singing to heaven, whereas others, though gracious, that lack this kind of knowledge, have their hearts full of fears and their lives full of sorrows, and so go sighing and mourning to heaven. But lest any precious soul should turn this truth into a sword to cut and wound himself, let me desire him to be to remember that every believer that hath such knowledge that accompanies salvation hath not this applicatory knowledge that makes so much for the soul's consolation and that doth accompany some men's salvation. I say, not all men's salvation. If thou findest thy knowledge to be such a knowledge as is before described in the six former particulars, though thou hast not attained to this applicatory knowledge, Yet hast thou attained to that knowledge that accompanies salvation, and that will, my soul for thine, give thee a possession of salvation. This applicatory knowledge that accompanies salvation is only to be found in certain eminent saints that are high in their communion with God, and that have attained some considerable assurance of their interest in God. Many men's salvation is accompanied with an applicatory knowledge but all men's salvation is not accompanied with an applicatory knowledge of man's particular interest in Christ and those blessed favours and benefits that come by him. Thy soul may be safe and thy salvation may be sure, though thou hast not attained unto this appropriating knowledge, but thy life cannot be comfortable without this appropriating knowledge. Therefore, if thou hast it not, 
labour for it as for life. It is a pearl of price, and if thou findest it, it will make thy soul amends for all thy digging, seeking, working, sweating, and weeping. 8. Knowledge has attendant graces. That knowledge that accompanies salvation is accompanied and attended with these things. The first attendant, that knowledge that accompanies salvation, is attended with holy endeavours and with heavenly desires, thirstings and pantings after a further knowledge of God, after clearer visions of God, Proverbs 15.14. The heart of him that hath understanding seeketh knowledge, but the mouth of fools feedeth on foolishness. The Hebrew word that is here rendered seeketh signifies an earnest and diligent seeking, to seek as an hungry man seeks for meat, or as a covetous man for gold. The more he hath, the more he desires, or as a condemned man seeks for his pardon, or as a diseased man seeks for his cure. The word in the text signifies to seek studiously, laboriously, industriously, to seek by suing, praying, inquiring, and walking up and down, that we may find what we seek. So it is in Proverbs 18.15. The heart of the prudent getteth knowledge, and the ear of the wise seeketh knowledge. A man that divinely knows will set his heart and his ear, his inward and outward man, to know more and more. Divine knowledge is marvellously sweet, pleasing, comforting, satisfying, refreshing, strengthening, and supporting. And souls that have found the sweetness and usefulness of it cannot but look and long, breathe and pant after more and more of it. The newborn babe doth not more naturally and more earnestly long for the breasts than a soul that hath tasted that the Lord is gracious, doth long for further and further tastes of God. 1 Peter 2 verses 2 and 3 David with all his knowledge cries out, I am a stranger in the land, hide not thy commandments from me. Open thou mine eyes, that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. Psalm 119, 18 and 19. Job, with all his knowledge, which was very great, cries out, That which I see not, teach thou me. If I have done iniquity, I will do no more. Job 34, verse 32. The second attendant, a second thing that attends and accompanies that knowledge that accompanies salvation, is holy endeavours to edify others, to instruct others, to enlighten and inform others in the knowledge of spiritual and heavenly things. Heavenly light cannot be hid under a bushel. You may as easily hinder the sun from shining as you may hinder a gracious soul from diffusing and spreading abroad that knowledge and light that God has given him. Divine light in the soul is like a light in a bright lantern that shines forth every way, or like a light in a room or on a beacon that gives light to others. A Christian that divinely knows is like the lamp in the story that was always burning and shining and never went out. So in Genesis 18, verses 17 to 19, And the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham that which I do? For I know him that he will command his children and his household <clears throat> after him, and they shall keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment, that the Lord may bring upon Abraham <coughs> that which he hath spoken of him. He that communicates his knowledge to others shall be both of God's court and counsel. He shall lie in the bosom of God. He shall know the secrets of God. Proverbs 15.7 The lips of the wise disperse knowledge, but the heart of the foolish doeth not so. The Hebrew word that is here rendered, disperse, is a metaphor 
taken from seedsmen scattering abroad their seed in the furrows of the field. Heavenly knowledge is very spreading and diffusive. It is like the sun. The sun casteth his beams upward and downward, upon good and upon bad. So divine light in a gracious soul will break forth for the advantage and profit of friends and enemies, of those that be in a state of nature and of those that be in a state of grace. Acts 4 verses 18 to 20. And they called them and commanded them not to speak at all, nor teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said unto them, Whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken unto you more than unto God, judge ye. For we cannot but speak the things that we have seen and heard. The bee doth store her hive out of all sorts of flowers. <clears throat> For the common benefit, so a heavenly Christian sucks sweetness out of every mercy and every duty, out of every providence and out of every ordinance, out of every promise and out of every privilege, that he may give out the more sweetness to others. We learn that we may teach is a proverb among the rabbins, and I do therefore lay in and lay up, saith the heathen, <clears throat> that I may draw forth again and lay out for the good of many. The heathen, Socrates and others, will rise in judgment against those that monopolize knowledge to themselves, that imprison their light within their own breasts, lest others should outshine and darken them. Synesius speaks of some who, having a treasure of rare abilities in themselves, would as soon part with their hearts as with their thoughts. Verily, such men are far off from that knowledge that accompanies salvation, for that knowledge will make... <coughs> For that knowledge will make a man willing to spend and be spent for the edification, consolation and salvation of others. 2 Corinthians 6 verse 10, Galatians 4.19 and Proverbs 10.21 The lips of the righteous feed many. The third attendant, a third thing that attends and accompanies that knowledge that accompanies salvation is holy zeal, courage and resolution for God. Divine knowledge makes a man as bold as a lion, Proverbs 28.1 Daniel 11.32 The people that do know their God shall be strong and do exploits. So Proverbs 24 verse 5 A wise man is strong, yea, a man of knowledge increase of strength, or he strengtheneth might, as it is in the Hebrew, divine light. <coughs> makes a man full of metal for God. It makes the soul divinely fearless and careless. Joshua 24.15 Choose ye whom ye will serve. I and my household will serve the Lord. Come what will of it, we will never change our master nor quit his service. Those beams of light that shined in upon Chrysostom did not so heat and warm his heart that he stoutly tells Eudoxia, the empress, that for her covetousness she would be called a second Jezebel. Whereupon she sent him a threatening message to which he returned this answer, Go tell her I fear nothing but sin. A prophetical man mentioned in ecclesiastical history went to the pillars a little before an earthquake, and bade them stand fast, for they should shortly be taken. Ah, Christians, there is an earthquake a-coming, and therefore, as you would stand fast, as you would not have any earthquakes, to make your hearts quake, get this zeal and courage that attends divine knowledge, and then you shall, in the midst of all earthquakes, be as Mount Zion that cannot be removed. Psalm 125, verses 1 and 2. 
They that write the story of the travels of the apostles report that Simon Zelotes preached here in England. Ah, England, England! If ever thou needest some zealots, it is now. Oh, how secure, how dull, how drowsy, how sleepy in the midst of dangers thou art. How true today. For this and other of thy abominations, I desire my soul may weep in secret. The fourth attendant. The fourth and last thing that attends or accompanies that knowledge that accompanies salvation is faith and confidence in God. Psalm 9.10 They that know thy name will put their trust in thee, for thou, Lord, hast not forsaken them that seek thee. 2 Timothy 1.12 For the which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him Against that day I shall not enlarge upon this branch, because I shall speak at large concerning faith in the next particular. And thus I have showed you from the scriptures what that knowledge is that accompanies salvation. Wonderful. The next section will be things that accompany salvation, faith. Thank you, Lord, for that wonderful teaching. Amen.